Hey, before we jump into today's episode, I have a question for you. Do you dream of inspiring others within the beauty and wellness industry? Have you ever considered becoming a teacher or trainer, but felt unsure about where to start? Well, you're in the right place. I'm here to introduce you to the SIBTAC Level 3 Award and the Level 4 Certificate in Education and Training, specifically designed for beauty and wellness professionals just like you. So whether you're a therapist or a coach or a manager, this qualification is the first step towards becoming a transformative educator in the industry. But here's the best part. We offer online teaching qualifications so you can learn and grow at your own pace right from the comfort of your home. For more information, check out the link in the show notes. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Expert Series of I'm No Rookie, where we talk with experts in various industries on their journeys to establishing themselves in their field. This week, we are in conversation with Donna Cupid Tuesday as she talks to us about her journey from beauty therapist to beauty therapy college lecturer and the challenges of working in a college environment. As always, the key is providing you with some tips, advice and strategies on taking those much needed steps to take an action, especially for those interested in pivoting into the education and training sector. So without further ado, let's get started with today's episode. Hello, Donna, and welcome to I'm No Rookie. I'm so happy to have you with us today. And we're discussing your journey to becoming a beauty therapist or beauty practitioner to an educator. So a big welcome to the show. Thank you. And first and foremost, our audience, especially for this series, is all about those that are looking to get into education. They want to pivot into the education, education sector. But sometimes I just don't know how. You can use Google, right? And you Google stuff, but there's not enough information on what's the actual direction, not the step-by-step on how to become, but the tips and advice. So that's what we're going to be doing today. But before we go straight into that, kind of jump straight in, I would love for you to introduce yourself to who you are, what you currently do. And one really weird question you're going to think of, where's she going with this? I would love for you to reflect back to one thing that you love doing as a kid. My name is Donna Cupid-Tuesday. Currently, I am a beauty lecturer at East Surrey College, and I've been teaching for six years. I've been a therapist, beauty therapist for 20 years. One thing that I loved doing as a child, I would say going beach, going to the beach. Yeah, I grew up in Trinidad. So me going to the beach, playing outside, it's something I always enjoyed and I still enjoy to this day. I love the beach. Love it. You're it's so amazing. lucky. I was going to yeah. say, not in the UK. No. <laughs> like, where did that come from? So lucky <laughs> you. That makes sense. So the reason why I asked you um, about what you enjoyed as a kid, because we're just going off the back of Father's Day. And um, mm-hmm. I lost my dad in 2015, but I was reflecting on Father's Day um, and just your parents, right? And one thing that I love most is them investing in their children. And I remember, it's so strange, right? We're like this Nigerian family. And me and my sister, my brother was there, but he was really young. And they invested in me learning guitar. Random. Random. Why? Um, (laughs) No no one else paid music, music, musical instruments. And my sister was learning piano slash keyboard. Mm. So it just made me think about, you know, when your parents invest in you, 
they don't even know what direction you're gonna go because I'm no one's a musician now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but I just love that it just made me think about um Father's Day. So that's why I wanted to ask you about that. So I love that yours was the beach and mine was learning to play guitar. Okay, let's get back to or get started with today's show. Prior to you becoming an educator, actually mm-hmm. even prior to you becoming a therapist, what did you do? So weirdly enough. I was massively interested in interior design. So everything I did at school was based on interior design, including like technical drawing and things like that. So then when I came back to the UK, I did interior design for maybe a year and a half. And then I dropped out actually, and I decided to do hairdressing instead. Was it unplanned? I would say kind of because I was always interested in doing hair. You know, when you know when you grow up in like a black family, you always do each other's hair and you do all these crazy hairstyles and things like that. So me just doing like a hairdressing course, it was something that was interesting mm. to me. And then after I completed that course, I was like, mm, maybe I should do like a makeup course. And then that's when I found the beauty therapy which encompassed everything in one. So I didn't actually go into beauty planned at all. It was not planned. You know what's so funny about that? It's like, I feel like sometimes we have these similar journeys, right? So I think for me, I worked in retail first and Mm -hmm. foremost, uh, telecommunications, then fashion. And then I wanted a qualification that no one could take away from me. Something Mm -hmm. like, and funny enough, I actually applied for hair Mm. although I wasn't good at it couldn't do nothing at home I was like yeah you know as you said black community it makes sense hair right I never really heard about beauty before honestly it wasn't anything that was instilled in us I never really knew about massage waxing I was like oh Mm -hmm. hair so when I went to go and apply they're like oh we're closed for now because I think I tried to apply in October and you know usually starts in September yeah but then I saw and I said oh there's beauty like what's that why not try it it was a try yeah yeah <laughs> I was like, let yeah. me try it and then I remember getting into it and I was oh my god this world like no one told me about the beauty world mm-hmm. there's massage there's facials and then from that that was it I was gone mm-hmm. so it was similar it was like almost like getting into it yours is because you did um hair and then it complemented it right yeah where yeah, mine was like okay it's a fallback until hair opens and I never ended up doing yeah. that which mm-hmm. I'm really glad I didn't do hair because um, I'm not good at, I, I wouldn't let myself on anyone's head. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, love that why you ended up doing beauty therapy. So what I wanted to ask you is how mm-hmm. long did you stay within the beauty, doing whether it was makeup or beauty therapy before you went into education? How much experience did you have? I would say at that point it would have been like 19 years, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. They've been 19 years. So from basically 2004 to 2017 was when I first got my teaching job. Yeah. So whatever that is, yeah. So you you know that being said, okay, we'll talk about the teaching job in a bit. But would you say you were really comfortable doing that, the practitioner side, and it just because it's like natural? Is that why you stayed in it so long? Yeah, definitely. And then obviously as well, with beauty, as you know, it's always changing. So there's always like new treatments, new procedures, new equipment and things like that. So 
my attention was always engaged within different aspects of beauty kind of thing so that's mm. another reason why I feel like I stayed in it a long time and as you know you know the more you do something the more you become um comfortable confident so you just kind of stick with it to be honest and it's so true it's um like you were saying before all about why so many people because um one of the things I think it's that I try to find I love watching people I'm a people watcher not not in, a, in an awkward way, <laughs> but I love watch observing people, especially on social media. I love observing conversations. And when you're looking at social media conversations, and a lot of the times people just feel stuck or, feel, or they feel comfortable. Let's start yeah. from there, because stuck is when you're getting to a point where you know, well, no longer want to be somewhere, right? But when mm-hmm. you're feeling comfortable and you're also at the top of your game, it's different, yeah. right? So when you've got all that experience, and I remember mm-hmm. when I was a therapist myself and then I became head therapist and then I ended up becoming, going into training by accident. Everything's always by accident with me. Um, but at the time I had the experience, I was top therapist, right? So you're like, I know mm-hmm. my stuff, I can sell, I can retail, this comes natural. And then all of a sudden you're going into this other field and you're now going to be a newbie. So yeah. I get it. For some people mm-hmm. it's hard because change is difficult, right? Yeah, a lot of people difficult. don't like change. With that in mind, for you, what made you go into the education sector? Where where did it start? Where did it come from? So basically, um, by this time, I was still in Trinidad and I progressed, you know, being like a head therapist kind of thing. So that naturally came with mentoring um, other therapists or junior therapists and also doing like in-salon training as well. And then... I became like a like an operations manager, so I would help organize and create protocols and just make sure that all the salons within our group were ensuring that we were doing everything correctly. So just like standardization and things like that. And that's something that I enjoyed. I enjoyed mentoring, training. I enjoyed um, creating resources as well. So that's what made me kind of think that, yeah, I should get qualified in training and teaching definitely that's so good because when I think about it um it's those transferable skills isn't it Mm -hmm. so you were in the salon you were organizing things um protocols SOPs and all of that stuff and then you're like oh I actually like this side of it and I think what sometimes people especially therapists that are currently therapists in their roles, sometimes they don't see the transferable skills from practitioner mm. to educator. So that's really good. I'm glad that you highlighted that. When you when you started realizing that Ooh, you like the idea of possibly going into education sector, what was your step? So I started to, as I said, you know, go on Google, do my research. And um, I think actually at some point, even before then, because I've been back and forth between here and Trinidad all my life. But at some point, I think I did like a petals course and I kind of quickly realized that if you wanted to be teaching in um, further education, you would need like a higher qualification, like your dettles and things like that. So I started to look into the diplomas, seeing where I can do it, obviously, if I can afford it and all these different type of things. And yeah, it just went from there and just trying to get knowledge from the different colleges that offered it at the time. Did you actually do your petals? 
Did you complete it? Yeah, so I did my petals ages ago, ages ago, years ago. And that course was literally like for three months. And I feel like petals is good, like if you're doing like um, flower arranging or like little short courses at like a community center sort of thing. But once you want to go into like university, colleges, FE, um, private academies, yeah, they, that's what they want. That's the job um, spec that they want, qualifications, definitely. So it was like, right, I have to do this now. There's like no choice for me to do this. But then also when, you do, when I was looking at um, job offers, they would accept you with experience, like five years experience, and then sort of pay for your training whilst you're on the job kind of thing, which I found was very helpful. So I just sort of decided to do it, um, kickstart and try and get my qualification before I got employed. Yeah. It's clicked on really important points. One of the ones I think is, like you said, the petals. It's so old school because people are like, petals? Because when mm -hmm. we talk about petals, kettles and dettles, they're like, huh? Yeah. Um, so the petals, for those that are listening, is, um, is the equivalent of the level three award now. Okay. And then mm -hmm. the kettles is the equivalent of the level four certificate. And then the Dettles is the equivalent of the level five diploma. And yeah. it's just so confusing now. But yeah. I did Dettles, I did Kettles as well. Yeah. I remember going through all of that. It's such a long time ago. Um, yeah, and like you said, I think Petals was good for me. When I did it, it helped when I was within um, my beauty therapy role and I was going to be a mm -hmm. trainer. It gave yeah. me that foundation. Yeah. So I yeah. think for those that just want that foundation so they feel mm -hmm. confident and been able to deliver um, mm -hmm. and understand possibly learning styles a bit better. I know, I know Petals was really basic, but I remember when we had to do our micro teach. So again, mm -hmm. it gets you out that comfort, um, comfort zone and you have to do your delivery. So yeah. I think Petals is good. But like you said, for the sector, which we're going to talk about more for you, um, you had to advance. Um, yeah. But also what's fantastic, I don't even know if they still do this now when I look at job specs. Those jobs in the past where they said, if you have experience, we'll mm -hmm. invest in you to get your yeah. teaching qualification. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But I think, again, where you've got a way up is that when you're, if you take that on board, sometimes your salary is quite low because yeah. they're mm -hmm. investing in it. So I like the angle that you did. You're like, you know what? Let me get my qualification first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then pay me. <laughs> because yeah. I am qualified. So I yeah. love that angle. So again, it depends for those that are listening. It depends on how you want to go about it. Sometimes it depends on finances, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, route. So I love that that was kind of like um, your route as well. With your qualifications, mm -hmm. how well do you think it prepared you for what you do now? Mm -hmm. Honestly speaking. Hmm. That's a good question, you know. Um, I would say definitely everything is beneficial at the end of the day. So it did benefit me in terms of, um, as you said, you know, like learning styles and how to deliver and being confident, giving you ideas of, you know, creating resources and all of these different kind of things. But looking back on that now, there's a lot of things that I would add to that qualification, to be fair. Like, like um, I feel like dealing with, you know, your students' mental health kind of thing. That, to me, 
is probably even like the most important, you know, dealing with your mental health and things like that. And um, another thing that I would add would possibly be like managing, yeah, managing your time and finding the time to do like upskills and things like that, like your CPD and yeah, managing your time as a teacher and your role as a teacher, boundaries, sort of um, difficult at times, how involved you are with your learners, you know, and then dealing with different aspects of um, the types of learners that you have, you know, are they, if they're dyslexic or if they have ADHD or if they have anxiety, things like that. So I feel like in possibly the second year of your teaching diploma, we should look into more pastoral aspects of your teaching role. Absolutely agree. And I think, again, if you we're talking about years ago when we did ours and if you think although mental health has always been there right it's not to do covid but covid is what's highlighted these things Mm -hmm. and these where new legislations and regulations are coming to place because of the of the rise of mental health that the government or wherever you are in the world are seeing so Mm -hmm. i think for back for back then it wasn't a major importance was it you know but as it's now but even when I, me I've got um I provide the level three and a level four and even looking at the curriculum I've got the foundation of the curriculum but I know for my students that are going to be teachers I'm implementing other things that I know they will need mm-hmm. right like you said the mental health the different learning differences and the learning styles and I think sometimes the learning styles are even when we look at dyslexia because it annoys me how things are categorized oh if they're dyslexic, you just need colored paper. You just need yeah, these yeah. things. And you're like, oh my God, there's so much more than this. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's another subject area. You can never teach someone everything within the qualification. Like you said, the rest is CPD. But I think yeah. it's important that those aspiring to get into education are informed of this, informed yeah, of the other things that they need. And I think once you gain your qualification, sometimes there isn't that ongoing support on what you need next, mm-hmm. unless you're in an organisation that understands the importance of education. Mm-hmm. Although you said, yes, the qualification was important, but there's other things that need to be added on. And so and thank you. I love that you've stated the ones that should be added on. Even I'm thinking, oh, how can I make and add these things into my curriculum or mm-hmm. add-ons for my students? So many students that I teach are looking to get into the education and training sector. Yeah. And they are looking at the various roles. So, you know, whether it's within the skincare or pharmaceutical organization route or going to colleges and schools and universities, kind of like you, you did. How did you get yourself into a beauty lecturer role? And I think your first one that I noticed was at Morley College. And then yeah. you made that focus onto adults, eight, is it 16 to 18 in a private college. How did that come about? Right, so because um, when I did my diploma, you had to do, I think it was 60 hours of teaching, 60 hours of teaching time, sort of thing. So you had to find a placement. And um, so that's how I got to work at Morley College. I found that um, possibly on Indeed or one of the sites, I can't remember. And I, I think I was there for like two years. So that was um, that was a good experience. Um, teaching adults is very different from teaching 
16 to 18 year olds. So that was a nice experience. And then after that, I got into, I took a break from teaching. And then when I came back into teaching, I was at Brooklyn's College for three months, which was just literally like a contract as well. Mm. And again, I can't even remember how I got that job. Um, the good thing about teaching roles is a lot of people will reach out to you. I get emails all the time about, you know, te- different teaching roles and things like that. And then after that, that's when I started working at East Surrey College. And again, that would have been on a job site or a recruiter reaching out to me. Roles are quite easy to find, to be honest, which is yeah. a good and this is And this is kind of going back to the importance of having the qualification mm-hmm. that because you have that qualification, because you have that, that com- combination is so important, right? Yeah. Because you have that combination, these roles, people will look at you because she knows her stuff. Yeah, definitely, because um, everyone's CVs and things like that gets vetted very quickly. Sometimes, obviously, you know, they don't have they don't have time to go through your whole CV. So they will have, you know, um, trigger points that will flag your CV up where they ask for, you know, five plus years experience. Do you have a teaching qualification? Yes. And that's what would make them reach out to you first rather than someone that has, you know, no teaching qualification, but loads of years of experience. So I love courses. I love qualifications. I always, you know, it will always work out better. Yes. Another education junkie. Um, But I think... I think we're both the same, If um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it has to be education that aligns with what you're looking to do. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. There's so many students, and again, some of my students, ex-students, who are like, oh, yeah, stop calling me out, that are doing courses on top of courses, mm-hmm. and they're not implementing anything. And that's when you become a professional student, where you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got this qualification level five, but do you work in that? No, I've never worked with it. You know what I mean? So I think it's CPD, it's continuous yeah. professional development in what you currently do or mm. you're looking to implement. Mm. So um, yeah, another another fan here for the education sector. Definitely. So our experiences slightly differ as mm-hmm. our roles kind of range are different. So mine was trainer within like a health and wellness organization mm-hmm. and then learning and development um, and then online digital marketer, really random. And then a program leader for an academy um, for spa management. But one of the consistent challenges I encountered throughout my journey was that constraint of budget and limited support, right? And Mm -hmm. the financial resources were often limited in both the health and wellness organization and the academy that I worked for. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard kind of securing the necessary support for training initiatives and improving that, that kind of improvement regardless of those challenges is that it allowed me to think creatively and find innovative solutions to maximize the impact of you know of the source or the resources and i remember especially in the retail-based organization the landscape was really hard but what i loved the most about it is that it gave me the autonomy to shape the training programs according to organization specific needs mm-hmm. um, and being that sole contributor allowed me to kind of take ownership of the processes and ensure that training initiatives were tailored to address those unique challenges especially in the retail environment so 
I wanted to ask you because you're coming from a um, a college environment. One mm -hmm. of the things, or let's say two things, I would love for you to discuss what you think are the biggest challenges mm -hmm. within the education sector and mm -hmm. one of the great things that you loved about working within the college um, environment. All right, so I'll start with the cons. I think because when you are delivering qualifications like BTCT or City and Girls or whatever it is, the curriculum is the same and it's been the same for years. So there's certain units um, that we teach that we would ideally want to get rid of, but we can't because it's on, you know, it's a set curriculum sort of thing. So I feel like um, it would be great if we could have regular industry meetings with employers to really see that if what we're delivering is actually relevant. That's one of the constraints that I don't like within a college environment. Also, as a tutor, you do have a lot of responsibility. You are responsible for maybe sometimes 18 plus students as well. So it is hard to sort of give everyone their individual needs things that they may need, whether it's due to um, constraints in their home life or learning disabilities and things mm -hmm. like that as well. Also, again, it's just little things like the timetabling, the guided learning hours of a particular course as well, that you have to stick with, you know, what is planned out for you. I would say sometimes how just like the procedure of um, particular treatments, even like with um, when we're delivering like a makeup unit, you know, um, the sequence of delivering the makeup is very different to what we do now in 2023. So, you know, you always have pushback from your students. Oh, we don't do makeup like this kind of thing. And you just have to say, well, we know, but just, you know, it's always a um, there's a college way and there's an industry way sort of thing so as a teacher I always have to say to my girls all right does it you just need to sort of do this procedure in college but you know when you get out there in the real world the world sorry that it can you can adapt it and things like that so but then sometimes that creates confusion with the learner because they think well if this is how we actually do it in the real world then why can't we do it like this in college but then the benefits I would say is that um, because things are pretty set and structured, you know, you're delivering the same thing over and over. So you know where you're at, you know where you can like constantly make improvements. There's no like surprises. Um, one of the biggest things is just very rewarding, you know, um, seeing your learners happy, seeing your learners proud, passing exams, you know, finally accomplishing, you know, um, their qualification or like a particular treatment that they were having trouble with so yeah nothing can really beat that to be honest yeah I love it because um yeah because it takes me back and I think like you said all those challenges are major challenges with that being said during COVID what happened to you was you working at that time yeah because um I believe during COVID I was actually not teaching I was working at a laser clinic actually so um, I was only working there for like for three months and then COVID happened. And then the following December, that's when I started at Brooklyn's College. And then the following February, I started at East Surrey College. But those first few months, it was online. 
So we were delivering things through teams as well, you know. But even that has its challenges because, you know, sometimes they would be in bed, you know, when they're supposed to be online. Or um, I had one student, she was out shopping. She was in New Look. She was shopping for a new coat. So that's the thing. And then, you know, they don't want to turn on their cameras and things like that. So one of the other things I wanted to... um. I want to ask you about is mm. let's say because you've been teaching you said six years let's go back eight years right let's say Donna was embarking on the route through education sector what advice would you give her prior to going into education sector Ooh. I would probably do more um work experience more teaching work experience learn how to interact with your students, their parents, again, boundaries, all of this sort of thing. It's, for me, it's just really about the, like the pastoral aspect of teaching that I feel is kind of hidden. And it's not, do you know what I mean? It's not really looked into. Being able to look in and listen to, you know, one-to-one tutorials, mm. maybe um, parents' evenings, that kind of thing. Because, yeah, that side of it is very different. <laughs> it's very you know, different. You know what, Donna, right? All these ideas that you have on improvement, maybe I, talk, maybe I should talk to you after um, we end the conversation. It may be something that you want to look into. Yeah. We'll talk afterwards. Okay, so we spoke about Donna eight years ago. Let's talk about those right now that are practitioners. Let's say they beauty, spa, wellness. They've had, maybe they've, been working as a therapist for the last three to five years mm -hmm. and then contemplating becoming um, a teacher, trainer, coach. What steps, what advice would you give them to take next? Definitely look at the types of um, qualifications that are available to you. That's number one. Go on to job sites to see what qualifications they want, what kind of experience that they want as well. Also, you can look into... Um, Maybe even becoming like a teaching assistant that I did um, a few, I would say a few months of that. Mm -hmm. That was quite good as well. And then to also look at what type of education you want to go to, whether it's, with, whether it's within a brand house like Declay or, or Clarence or whatever, or do you want to do the private academy route or FE college route as well? Because there's so many different aspects of teaching roles within our industry. It's really good to, um, yeah, you need to look into it because you can be like a trainer for Mac if you don't want to do the whole, you know, beta therapy thing. So you have to kind of think, do I want to teach everything or do, do I just want to kind of home in on one aspect of beta therapy? That would be quite helpful. Absolutely agree. I think, um, yeah, you either want to be a generalist you want to mm -hmm. be a specialist. Mm -hmm. So absolutely agree on that. Thank you. Oh my God. I've really enjoyed, you've given some really good nuggets, you know, <laughs> even for me, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to look to improve my stuff. Um, <laughs> but I've loved, I've loved everything. Thank you so much, Anna, for, you for joining me today, for joining I'm No Ricky and sharing your journey from beauty therapist to beauty lecturer, sharing your, your insights and how you'd want to improve 
the industry, mm -hmm. especially the education sector. I know this conversation will help those that are looking at various routes, like you said, whether it's via a brand or um, or an institute, yeah. whether they want to be do beauty, wellness, um, generalist or a specialist, I know it will be really beneficial for them. So thank mm -hmm. you so much. Do you have any thank last words before we say goodbye? Um, you just have to do what makes you happy at the end of the day. And even if you take positives or negatives out of this podcast, you have to do what's best for you. And that's it, really. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Donna. And thank you for those that are listening to I'm Never Key. See you again next week. Bye.